Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Okay, are we ready to dive into this rewrite? Let's do it. Brooke, will you print the notes? And remember, we will be relentlessly entertaining. Relentless entertainment. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and executive producer living in Los Angeles, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 17 years, Liz. Yes, I am Liz Kraft, also a TV writer and executive producer living in Los Angeles. And for anyone who doesn't know, in TV, writers are also producers, which means that we don't just write scripts, we also oversee all aspects of production. So we cast the actors, we go on set, we decide on music, we do it all. And on this podcast, we talk about what it's like to be writers in Hollywood, how we manage to mesh a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Hollywood, as everyone knows, has a reputation for being glamorous and bigger than life, which is accurate. It totally is, but it's also totally not. The things we deal with in our jobs are probably just like the things you deal with in yours. Office politics, work-life balance, and difficult co-workers. It's just the person screaming at us might be famous. <laughs> Happier in Hollywood is all about how to survive and thrive no matter where you are or what you do. In this episode, we'll discuss burnout, check in with our assistant, Brooke, in a segment called The Outer Office, and discuss whether a bullet journal would alleviate my possible need for anti-anxiety medication. We'll also have our weekly Hollywood hack and see who had the best celebrity sighting of the week. Okay, Sarah, let's get started with a segment we call From the Treadmill Desks Of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches this week. And this week, what is unfortunately most pressing is burnout, complete and utter burnout. Yeah, we looked up the definition, which is physical or mental collapse caused by <laughs> overwork or stress. So we have been on a crazy deadline to write and then rewrite and then rewrite again a pilot script, which we're writing kind of off cycle. Normally, pilot scripts are due in December, but this one where you've been writing this spring. And a pilot script, in case anyone's wondering, is the first episode of a series. It establishes the characters, the tone, and a world for a show that will hopefully last five seasons. That's if it goes to air, which is, you know, 
hugely unlikely for any pilot <laughs> script, but we always hope. Anyway, it has been challenging and draining. And Sarah, I'd venture to say at times it's been difficult to follow one of our favorite mantras, don't treat a gift like a burden. Yes, it has. It really has. I feel both mentally and physically collapsed. I think last week is the most burnt out I've ever felt in our entire career. Wow. Like 17 years of doing this, I think last week was like the low point for me. It's been brutal. Um, I haven't been exercising enough. I haven't been sleeping enough. I have a giant sty on my right eye that I'm constantly putting hot compresses on. I literally had to have it lanced. It's like that horrible and disgusting. I'm desperately in need of a good night's sleep and about 10 hours of me time. I think I've been more burnout at other times, maybe like last December. <laughs> I, that was my peak. But I am totally burnt. I have not been exercising. I'm eating tons of like chocolate, all of Jack's leftover Easter candy. <laughs> and I just feel like I'm going to crawl out of my skin. Like I just need time off. It is not pleasant. And I think part of why we suffer such burnout is because our job is sort of like being a perpetual college student. It's like we always have a paper due, that mm -hmm. feeling of having a deadline hanging over your head. Yeah. And it's like we should be working on it every second of the day. Even if we've said, okay, we're done for the day, we feel guilty between then and when we fall asleep about not working. Yes, it's oppressive. And we also, there's constant criticism. Like if you're a writer yes. in Hollywood, you get criticized, not personally, but you get criticized. It feels personal. Constantly, we get rounds and rounds and rounds of notes on everything we write. And we've been doing this long enough that we can usually take it in stride and not like crawl into bed for two days after we get notes from the studio or a network. But it's yeah. not fun. And when you're burnt out, it's harder to bounce back. It's really easy to forget to take care of yourself. Conversely, taking care of yourself is the only way to recover from burnout. So having acknowledged the problem, Mm -hmm. Let's commit to recovery. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the tricky part. How do we get past our burnout so that we can um, be Function. relentlessly entertaining yes. in the future, which is our motto for the, yes. this development season? Well, first of all, we should be accountable to each other because we're both obligers. Mm -hmm. And for listeners um, who don't know, being an obliger is part of the my sister, Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendency personality uh, framework. There's obligers, upholders, questioners, and rebels. And as obligers, it means that we both really respond to outer expectation. So we need to be accountable to each other. Yes. So I'll hold you accountable. You hold me accountable. I will hold you accountable. Now, you have something good coming up for recharging. Yes. So my plan to cure my <laughs> burnout, if I go through with it, is um, this Saturday, I'm supposed to go to a day of silent mindfulness <laughs> at my son's school. There's a parent mindfulness class, which I have been blowing off for this whole year, even though I'm supposed to be going. But this Saturday, I've signed up for six hours of silent mindfulness. We're going to walk mindfully. We're going to meditate. We're going to eat mindfully. And according to others who have been, you feel like you've been at the spa for a day after it's done. So I'm nervous about being silent, but I'm going to try it. What are you going to do? Oh, well, first of all, I have to say that so to me, that sounds like a fantasy. That sounds <laughs> like that. Just the thought of doing that makes me want to cry. It sounds so amazing. So for me, I definitely find that as an only parent, I have a harder time kind of carving out 
time to recharge. I really kind of hold my weekend time with Violet like that's mommy kid time. So like for me, if I can just get a pedicure, Mm. like if I can get a pedicure and go to a movie by myself, Mm -hmm. which is like my favorite thing in the world to do, just like little things like that. And this is actually a little counterintuitive, but this last weekend I took Violet to Disneyland which sounds like it would be totally exhausting. And it was totally exhausting, I will say. But something about just like being outside and being away from my computer and away Mm -hmm. from my phone and away from everything, like I really, we had such a good time because, you know, it's the happiest place on earth. And I really did feel better Monday. I felt like I could focus in a new way, just like forcing my brain to not be connected to work in any way, even though I was really tired. Okay. Well, I'm ordering you to get a pedicure within the next three days. I will do so. And I cannot wait to hear about the day of silent mindfulness. I'll report back and tell you how it goes. (laughs) Now, if we were really ambitious, we would go and spend some time in the forest, which in L.A. we actually can do because there are amazing hiking trails and that kind of thing. But I just read an article this morning, actually, about how if you spend time in nature, specifically spend time around trees. I don't know why Mm. trees are, you know, the magic item, but it totally revitalizes your spirit and it does something physically to your body. I'm not a science person, so I don't remember it. But what we should do maybe is just like go and lay down under a tree for a few hours. Maybe it's the oxygen. It could be. (laughs) Well, if you like to walk in the woods or if you have other ideas for us about how to cure burnout, let us know. You can tweet us. I'm at Elizabeth Craft and Sarah is at Sarah M. Fain. Or send us an email at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. So one of the best things about our job is our assistant for the last two years, the extraordinary Brooke Turner. From time to time, we'll check in with her in this segment we're calling The Outer Office because that's where assistants usually sit. This week, we'll get to know Brooke a little better and also figure out what's it like to be an assistant in Hollywood. First, you should know that everyone in Hollywood starts as an assistant. I was an assistant for an actress for like 18 months and did lots of fun things like brushing her dog's teeth. Um, and Don't being forget in- <laughs> the um, instructions on applying breast cream. Yes, well, there was, <laughs> there was that. And being an assistant in Hollywood is the way in and the way up. Assistants are the next generation of writers, agents, executives, fill in the blank. So that potential is something we really keep in mind when we're hiring an assistant, because our goal is that someday our assistant will hire us. Yes. <laughs> So, Brooke. Brooke Turner is an aspiring TV writer. She is a, can I say, world-class runner? I mean... (laughs) Sure. Sure. Uh, (laughs) She was a world-class runner who went to Berkeley and then to USC. She has been everything from a model for the Ford agency to an Uber driver. She was also awarded a writing fellowship through the L.A. Film Festival. Yes, her script was actually chosen to be produced and then screened at the L.A. Film Festival, which was extra cool for me because they shot it at my house. And it looked great. It did. (laughs) Brooke also, in addition to being our assistant, co-hosts a podcast called Short and Sweet about adulting. She and her co-host, Kati Kamikate, talk about their wins and fails of the week and ask questions of the universe about how to adult. I highly recommend it. 
Okay, so Brooke, we're going to start here with the nitty gritty. We want to know what's the best thing and worst thing about being our assistant. And we're declaring this a safe space where you're not going to get stink eye from us. No judgment. What the, what the worst things are. Because we know they, you know, it can get bad. Can uh, the safe space extend beyond this room we're in right now? I yes. just want to make sure. Um, okay, so I'm going to start with the good. Okay, start with the good. Um, the good is that y'all have been really great about including me in the writing process. So I get to sit in while you guys are breaking a story. You are doing research on things and coming up with ideas. And you've been so kind to let me write a couple scenes, which has been awesome. So anytime I can really be a part of the process and see how the work is done has been awesome. I just want to say that often sort of one thing that as bosses we do with our assistants is if we have a script give them a scene to write just to sort of see, can you do something on a deadline? Can you do it fast? Can you do it well? And you, like, consistently nail it. Yeah, you really do. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so tell us the worst part about the job. Oh, God. I have a, I have my thoughts, but mm. I want to hear what yours are. Do you? <laughs> okay, the worst part. And it sort of goes with the territory, so you kind of have to just... Anything personal yes. is terrible. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's. I was gonna say plane tickets. Yeah. Oh no, plane oh, tickets yeah. aren't bad. Oh really? No. Oh, getting lunch. Getting my car cleaned. Um, <laughs> I won't go into specifics. I guess the the thing is, when you come to Hollywood and you're an assistant, the idea is that you work for someone who is doing what you want to do, and you do that because you hope that you will get trained to do the work that you eventually want to do. So anything that feels sort of like off the path, mm-hmm. you have to remind yourself that okay, you know. I'm doing this today, but there's a larger goal here, and I'll just, like, get this done really quickly. You know, you get the stuff you don't want to do, you knock it out because Mm -hmm. it has absolutely nothing to do with your life or what you want to ultimately be doing in work. So (laughs) you're very good at being positive. Yeah. Much better than I am. That's for sure. But back when I was an assistant in New York, I got talking to about my anger management issues. Um, I got put on the list. (laughs) So Brooke, Brooke, you've never had that problem. (laughs) You've never been on the list. I will say that after I was an assistant, I was so traumatized. This was back when there were still beepers, that any time I heard the sound of a beeper, I would have heart palpitations. It was, yeah, it's not it's really an easy not life fun. being an assistant. No, it's it not. Really, but it's worth it no. in the end because you, you do learn. You really – yeah. that's You're on my a path. observation. You're yeah. on a path. So on this path – the first step in the path is realizing that you want to be a writer. Now, when did you first decide that you wanted to be a writer? And was it always about TV and film? Uh, how old were you? Where were you? Set the scene for us. Ooh, set the scene. I feel like everyone says, you know, I was writing short stories when I was five and then published at 17 and all of the stuff. That's not my story. I sort of feel like I've had two careers in a way because I was running for such a long time. And then I made a shift and started actually doing other things. So, you know, I went to USC. There was a producing program there. I thought that I wanted to produce only. And um, when you're in school, you have no money. So I just started writing the bad version of things. And I realized that that's what I really like to do. Mm. And I actually didn't like the other parts of it at all. (laughs) So um, I just started writing more and more and more and decided to take the leap and figure out how to break in. 
And did you have a mentor, like a specific mentor who was like, yeah, Brooke, you can do this? No, I. you guys are that. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> you are my mentors. Oh, yay. <laughs> well, my question is, does seeing what we go through, because you see us, you know, we were just talking about burnout. Yeah. You sort of see us beating our head against the wall and getting all these, you know, notes and the whole process and things not happening that we want to happen and the disappointment. Mm-hmm. Does it make you want to be a writer more or less working with us? You know, it's the same amount. I want to be a writer the same amount as when I started. Uh, I have tried to figure out ways to make large sums of money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if I can hit the lottery and then move to some island and just sit on the beach all day, that would be great. I would probably still have a blog or something. Uh, but no, I think that um, you guys have a really great story and you've worked on some really interesting things. And being with you while you guys are actually writing and breaking things has made me want to do it more. By the way, when we say breaking things, that's when we are figuring out the story, like scene to scene, what the episode is going to be. We'll say that a lot, breaking things. (laughs) Break our brains. Um, So, Brooke, we feel like and have felt like for a while that you are poised to go to the next level. Like we feel like you are just like inches away from being on a writing staff. Hire me. (laughs) We have to get a show on the air first. Let's get a pilot made and a show on the air. Um, Last year, our agent asked for your material, which is like a really big deal and very rare. He has never done that before. Um, What's kind of holding you back from plowing forward into the next thing? Aside from us getting a show on the air and hiring you. Right. Um, (laughs) It's interesting. That's a really good question. Well, I think that the big thing is material. And I really respect the craft. I acknowledge that, like, I've gotten into it fairly recently. So I think a lot of times I go back to that whole idea of 10,000 hours, Mm. which is, like, I haven't really put in the time that someone who started writing at, you know, 12 has. (laughs) So I keep in mind, you know, it's a fresher thing. It's going to take me a little bit more time. I don't expect it to be an overnight thing. Um, And the other part is which I guess this is advice for um, for people who are writing, is like, don't be precious with things. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And so with y'all, I think I actually gave you a comedy script like maybe the first month in. But, you know, I didn't give you a drama script until a year and uh, <laughs> yeah. eight months in. Which I will say we have not yet read. We have no, not yet In read. the pile. Yeah. Well, yes. but the thing is that for a long time it was, I don't want to make a bad first impression because mm-hmm. for me it's I only get one shot. You but know, that's not you, true. I mean, you can have more than one shot. Well, but I hear good. you. It's uh, true it if you're like, like submitting something to a show. With yeah. us, you get more than one shot. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in mind when you're reading. You've what seen I how many yeah. times we've done this script we're doing right yeah. now, right? <laughs> For goodness sake. <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of it is just building up confidence. and Yeah. It's like you want to feel like your strength as a writer, not just as a person in the room. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. I actually talked with a friend recently who is on the verge of getting staffed, and she told me her biggest fear was that she was supremely likable, and that's why she was getting these jobs, but that she wasn't actually a good writer. But guess what? Almost everyone feels that way. It's the fraud syndrome, which we will discuss, no doubt, on this Mm -hmm. podcast many times. That's not an uncommon fear. I feel that way also, by the way, still, as Sarah knows. I have a breakdown regularly about how I can't write at all and I'm only here because I can be fun and Sarah does all the work. It's a whole thing. So you're not alone in that feeling and neither is your friend. 
Okay, Brooke. So before we let you go um, back to the outer office, <laughs> tell us what advice do you have for people who want to be writers out there? Well, you sort of have two options if you want to do anything in L.A., really, in the business, is you come and you can work on the outside or you can work from the inside. And when I say from the outside is you can say, you know, the system. I'm going to write this script and I'm going to shoot the short film and it's going to get into all these festivals and they're going to love it. And then I'm going to get an agent. And that's a tough path. Or you can work from the inside, which is you get an assistant job. And if you're at an agency, you know you want to be an agent and you sort of get promoted within that system. Or if you want to be a writer, like you asked, you find two fantastic writers to work for and you learn about the craft and you meet people. You hopefully get close to a room. You get people to read things that you've written and get notes and like workshop stuff. And hopefully, you know, whoever you know gets a show and like lets you be writer's assistant and then you bump up and you get staffed. I mean, both ways, it's like, you know, gambling. You're in Vegas out here. Biggest piece of advice is if you want to write, make sure that you're writing. Mm. I have a fair amount of people I know who want to write, but they are not. So, All right. Well, we are looking forward to your amazing career, Brooke. Right. And we can't wait for you to hire us in like, you know, mm-hmm. eight to 12 years. Yes. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> Follow Brooke on Instagram at Brooke Sitgraves. That's Brooke, S-I-T-G-R-A-V-E-S. And listen to her podcast, Short and Sweet, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Coming up, we'll talk about bullet journals and why Sarah is obsessed with hers. But first, a word from our sponsor. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, moving on to a segment we call LVS, Liz versus Sarah. In this segment, we discuss slash debate something we might not see eye to eye on. And today we are talking about bullet journals. Sarah, now I know from Happier, the podcast I co-host with my sister Gretchen, that bullet journals are very popular. Can you explain to all of us exactly what they are and why they seem to be gripping the nation? <laughs> well, I can't speak for the nation, but I can tell you what my bullet journal does for me. They're a little bit hard to describe because, and 
This is also what's so great about them. They're very individual. Everyone can use their bullet journal differently. I use mine primarily as a daily calendar, but also as a to-do list, a habits chart, a one-sentence journal, a focus tool, and to organize the different elements of my life. So I think for most people, they're a daily, weekly, monthly and or yearly calendar. You can keep track of everything from expenses to life goals to how often you poop. Hmm. People use it as a one sentence a day journal like I do. They also use it for inspiration or for accountability and for things as basic as to-do lists. So I am looking at your bullet journal. (laughs) It is purple leather, very, um, very fancy, very fancy. It has like a little purple rubber band around it. I assume it's purple because of Violet. Your yes. daughter's name yes. is Violet. So I have a lot of purple. Purple things. is Sarah's signature color. Yes. And it's got like little notebooks within it. So it's like a leather cover with a notebook that says life, a notebook that says cabins because you rent out cabins in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other part of your life. I <laughs> yeah. won't even get into. And then you have one called long term stuff. <laughs> and if I look in the bullet journal, it's like a blank pa- blank pages and then mm-hmm. you've written at the top of each page the date mm-hmm. and the time of days and you've got your schedule in there and then at the bottom you have to-do lists and then you also sort of write down your meal plan. Um, you have, I'm seeing this says, eat more watercress. <laughs> I was just reading an article about watercress. It's very, very good for you. (laughs) Um, So it really does cover your whole life. You have one sentence. Can I read what your one sentence was for April 24th? I guess so. What was it? (laughs) Productive day on script. Feels like it's getting closer. Yay. Well, that's good. Um, Now, one thing you'll notice if you're looking at my bullet journal is that it's very, very, very basic. You know, if you go online and look at bullet journals, it can be a little intimidating because people are super intense about them. And some people use them to express their artistic side. Like I know someone who has a bunch of different kinds of pens and stencils and all of that kind of stuff. And it can be really beautiful. Mine is just very functional. Well, it's funny because it looks very complicated (laughs) to me. Now, I have to say that I expressed an interest in bullet journaling. And you very nicely got me a bullet journal, really pretty one um, with like a very beautiful cover and it has my initials on it. And what happened is what often happens with me, which is I express that I'm going to do something without any actual intention of doing it. And then people seize on that. Yes. (laughs) Like, for instance, there was a period where I was telling everyone I was going to start cooking soup all the time. And our friend Nancy sent me soup cookbooks, and I've never even looked at (laughs) them. Um, So while I said I was going to bullet journal, I really didn't have any intention of doing so, and therefore I have not even cracked open the beautiful journal that you got me. (laughs) Right. Well, there's definitely value in it. You know, like for you, you talk about motherhood being a narrative of loss, and you very much identify with that. I do. Yeah. Every day it feels like it's slipping away and I want to cry. Yes, exactly. So, you know, you could use a bullet journal to, if you used it to record things about Jack, you would have a record to hold on to. Like, I have a section in mine. I have my one sentence part, and then I also write a sentence about Violet. Mm. You know, if you had that to look back at, maybe you wouldn't feel the loss as much, or you could kind of hold on to those kind of special momentary memories. And then you talked a little bit about how you, 
you can be anxious.、Um, if you had one place to kind of consolidate everything in your life, it might help you manage some of that anxiety, which is definitely what it does for me. Like having one thing that I can carry around that has everything in it helps me feel like things are just kind of more managed, more controlled.、Mm, interesting. Do you think that would be useful? For you? I don't know. I mean, it's funny that you bring up my anxiety because, yes, I do have anxiety. I think many people in Los Angeles suffer this. Yes, kind of overwhelming feeling of anxiety. Adam, my husband, he actually thinks I should take anti-anxiety medication. <laughs>、um, do you think I should? Because you're around me probably even more than Adam is. Oh,、uh, do I think you should take anxiety medication? Um, you and Adam have very different ideas about like how to approach getting to the airport. You like to be super on time. He's much more loose, if not inclined to be late. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs>、yes. So that causes you a lot of anxiety. That's a situation where like a bullet journal is not going to be that helpful. Right.、Um, but some people take. Xanax to fly. You might need Xanax to get to the airport. You know, <laughs> like that kind of thing.、Um, what kind of things do you think really stress you out?、Uh, really, mostly work. I don't know if a bullet journal is going to help me feel less anxious about work. I guess maybe anti-anxiety medication would. I know it's hard because, like, I want to say things like, "Well, what about if you could write down things that you're anxious about?、Mm. Maybe it would help you sort of." Ground them and feel less anxious, or if you did affirmations, that's the kind of thing that bullet journals can really help with. Just kind of getting something down on paper and looking at it, and even writing down anxious about the script, or just we call it free floating anxiety. Keep it from floating by settling it on the paper.、Mm, you know、that、what? You, you may have convinced me on this one.、Oh. I may crack that bullet journal. You this is、me. exciting. Okay, we'll see. I'm, I'm edging closer. Okay. It's a tool for managing free-floating anxiety. That's all it is. Okay, and then I won't have to go on maybe anti-anxiety <laughs>、exactly. medication, except for the occasional Xanax on the way to the airport. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so I will Instagram a page of my bullet journal, and Liz will Instagram a picture of the cover of her empty bullet journal. And if she cracks it open, she'll Instagram that too. If you have a bullet journal, Instagram a picture hashtag Happier in Hollywood. And Sarah, I am guessing people out there have strong feelings on this subject. So weigh in on the great bullet journal debate. Email us at happierinhollywood@gmail.com and tell us what you think of bullet journaling. And now it's time for this week's Hollywood hack, which is go pee. Yes, Sarah. When we first started writing together, we'd sit next to each other in front of a computer and literally write word for word together, like. He walks in. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> She looks at him. Hello. Every single word.、Yes. <laughs> Then we noticed that a lot more happened when one of us would get up to go to the bathroom because the person left behind was able to write freely, and the person who went to the bathroom always came back with a good idea. Exactly, and then we've also seen that when we're on writing staffs and we're in a writers' room, the same thing happens. If you're sitting in a room, we spend a lot of our time in writers' rooms, which is basically when a staff of writers of a TV show sits in the writers' room together, and it's anywhere between five and fifteen people if you have a crazy staff, and you break stories together. You talk about. Each episode and what the stories are going to be, and each character, and you're kind of trying to figure out the overall arc of the episode and putting the 
beats, which is basically the scenes of the episode on the board. And it's a lot of people in a room staring at each other, throwing their ideas around, and it can get very oppressive. And so we have found that as soon as that happens, you just, does anyone have to go to the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and whoever leaves ends up coming back with something productive and can kind of recenter the room. It never fails. Every time we're all stuck on something like, oh, you have to figure out, let's say, a murder weapon. Yes. And it's like <laughs> a gun, a knife, a this, a that. No, 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 no. Someone will go to the bathroom and they'll come back and they'll, you know, a candlestick. And everyone's like, of course. Yes! And I think it applies not just to writer's rooms, but life in general. If you're stuck for an idea, go pee. You can also take a shower. It's just you can't do that at work. Yes, it's much easier to just go pee. Yeah, much easier to go pee. <laughs> um, and now we have to wrap this up because I really have to go pee. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, before we end, I've got to tell you, I did have a celebrity sighting this oh, week. Oh, excellent. I saw Mila Kunis of Bad Moms fame and that 70s show fame that is a good in one. the commissary on the Disney lot. I noticed her because she had really cute shoes. I noticed the shoes first, <laughs> and then I looked up and realized it was Mila Kunis. Okay, well, I have two things. One, I, I need to know about the shoes. The shoes were red Toms. Mm. Um, and I kind of, they were very sassy, you know? Um, so they weren't like crazy, like high heel Valentinos or anything. It's just more, they were really cute and like spring, mm -hmm. and they just kind of popped. Well, two. I also saw Mila Kunis this week. Oh, you're kidding. Uh, no, I totally did. At you know, I go to this diner like all the time. It's my home-based diner. We know all the servers, everything. So I was there with Violet and Crackers, our dog, sitting on the patio. And this black automobile pulled up. Nice, but not like crazy nice. And this woman gets out. It was Mila Kunis. Um, but, like, I didn't realize it was her at first. I was just like, oh, attractive brunette. And then from the driver's side, Ashton Kutcher gets out, and it's Ooh. them and their two kids coming to my, like, local, not fancy diner. So I saw the whole family this week. Oh, you win. That's yeah, better yeah. than mine. <laughs> Dueling celebrity sites. Exactly. Just point to you, sir. <laughs> And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Do you bullet journal? Do you think I should bullet journal to help me manage my anxiety? I know Sarah thinks I should. <laughs> Do you have any other questions for us? Leave us a voicemail at 949-HAPPY-21. That's 949-HAPPY-21. Or email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And don't forget to Instagram your bullet journal photos with the hashtag HappierInHollywood. Special thanks this week to our amazing assistant, Brooke Turner, for letting us into the outer office. Listen to her podcast, Short and Sweet, if, like us, you struggle with adulting. And thanks to our producers, Kristen Meinzer and Jennifer Lai. And thanks to Andy Bowers of Panoply. Also, thanks to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is a part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Twitter at Elizabeth Craft, and Sarah is at Sarah M. Fain. If you like the show, please, please, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft, And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. 